Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Chasing the Light. I am so glad to have you all listening in again this week. This week's entry is entry number 11 already. I can't believe it. And we are talking about transitioning into new light. And specifically, I want to focus on the transition to middle school. My son, Lucas, is actually transitioning into sixth grade this year, and it's stirring up a lot of different feelings for me as I reflect on my middle school experience and navigating, you know, that big transition and a new school with a visual impairment. And it just, I was like, this is the perfect time to do this. I kind of skimmed over the middle and high school years whenever I did an entry um, on my education. And I talked about elementary school a little bit and I talked about, um, I talked about college a lot and, you know, different people that were kind of, you know, lighthouses to me through those times. But I really wanted to focus in on middle school. And I just wanted to start like with my initial feelings. I remember walking into my middle school um, as a new sixth grader and just feeling so nervous going to a new school. You know, there were a few familiar faces. However, you know, a lot of the students that were coming into sixth grade were coming from the school that was across the road from the middle school campus. And, you know, I didn't know them and they didn't know me. They, they didn't know about my vision condition. I really didn't know much about my vision condition either. And um, I just wanted to do my best to blend in and to be as normal as possible possible and to make friends like that. That was my goal going into middle school. I wanted to fit in. And, um, you know, I remember going into the school and as you go into the school, you go up a ramp and as you're going up the ramp, the cafeteria is to the left and you reach the top of the ramp, you make another right and there's another ramp and then you're in the sixth grade area of the school. And then you have all the lockers. There's like six classrooms and there's two long sets of lockers on each side um, of, of the big sixth grade area. And in the middle was like an English language arts classroom and an open classroom because I went to a very small school. And, you know, one of the things that my parents had talked about, you know, prior to me entering school was to have my locker kind of on an end. That way I could access it better, be able to find it better and to have a special lock on it because I couldn't use a combination lock because it was, you know, hard for me to see it. So right from the beginning, I was, you know, standing out and already feeling like I had a label on me because teachers were coming up to me and like they were trying to do their part and like making sure that I was being supported and taken care of at the same time it drew attention to the fact that I couldn't see well. So like from day one, I felt like, you know, everybody was already looking at me and knowing that, you know, something was different about me. And I feel like everyone kind of goes through those insecurities going into middle school, whether you have a disability or not. Um, but I definitely felt it right from the beginning. Um, you know, my, my locker wasn't with the rest of my homeroom class and, you know, my name, my last name fell in the middle of the alphabet. So I should have been somewhere in the middle of the lockers and here I am, you know, with the Z's and, you know, all the end of the alphabets down at, on the one end. And it was just like already feeling like I had a label on me that I was different. 
And, um, you know, I had a special lock that basically when you moved it from to the right, it would click and it went from like zero to four and there was three lines on it. So, for instance, my combination might be three to four. And so I would go over three times and for the first line and then two times for the second and four on the last line. And then I'd pull it and I'd open it. And, you know, it was great. Like I, it was good because I could open my locker and have that independence. I didn't need help. But at the same time, there's everyone, you know, around me who's looking and like, why doesn't she have a combination lock? We're all supposed to have a combination lock. Like we're not allowed of key locks. We're not allowed of different locks. They said that at orientation. So, you know, I, you know, already had, that standout feeling like I did not want to be seen all I wanted to do was fit in and I already felt like I was standing out in front of you know a crowd and um I just I had I had a difficult time with that and eventually I did talk to my teachers and be like can I please just be you know back in the middle with everybody else like you know so I could be with my homeroom class and everything because I was trying to make friends with the people that were in my classes and it was hard to do that if you didn't have that you know couple minutes of transition time between your class change um, to talk to people so then I was I was moved back to with with my other homeroom students and the way that I was able to find my locker is that I just kind of counted from one in and you know knew whereabouts my locker should would be and I looked for my number then because at least the numbers on the front of the lockers were really big so if I just got close enough to it then I'd be able to see it and I used other little kinds of clues like you know whoever was supposed to be next to me I, I might have known what their backpack looked like and you know I went and looked for their backpack or that person or or whatever so I used different little clues for that and um Another thing that I really struggled with and had a lot of anxiety about whenever I was um, going through middle school was, and especially initially, was the buses because our middle school was right next to the high school and the bus was actually parked in front of the high school. So you would follow a, um, you know, concrete sidewalk along all the buses and you know your bus would be at a certain place and it was supposed to be around the same place every day but you know as you know it's you know things happen there might be a substitute driver in a different bus who would take the spot that that your normal bus would be in or maybe the bus was getting fixed and the bus driver had to bring a different bus with a different number so in those different times like I got a very disoriented when I was in middle and high school um because I, you know, I didn't, I didn't know this was going to happen. And so I had an idea of where the bus should be, but it wasn't always there. And it did seem like in those times that, you know, I couldn't find the bus, that someone would call my name from the bus, or, you know, someone would talk to me that was going to the bus that's usually parked behind my bus. So I knew that, you know, that is my bus right there. But, you know, it was just one of those little things that, 
if you're typically sighted individual, you're not thinking about those kind of things like that you're not going to be able to find your bus because you're just looking for your bus number. And, you know, someone that can't see well and has to go really to a whole different school to find the bus, that was like a huge stressor every single day. Um, But there were like little stressors like that that kind of added up through every day that kind of made the whole day anxiety ridden (laughs) for me. And I would imagine for, you know, others who are listening who've already gone through school or some that are listening who are in school right now, like they can totally relate to this feeling like these little things that do not seem like they're a big deal. um, They really made or break your day. Like you had a couple things happen and you start feeling like so defeated and exhausted already. Another thing that I had a difficult time transitioning with, but, you know, found little tricks to overcome was, was the cafeteria because you would go in the cafeteria with your sixth grade class. And then in the other grades, you you always stay with your class in the cafeteria. And, you know, I remember that first day going in and not knowing where the trays were, not knowing, you know, which door you go through. Cause I couldn't see like an enter and exit sign whenever you're going through the lunch line, not knowing where extra napkins were or the ketchup or, you know, those types of things. And, you know, what I did was I kind of followed the person ahead of me until I started making friends. And, you know, it was easier that way that they they kind of picked up and helped me without me really having to ask if they could tell that, um, you know, I didn't know where something was or they'd grab it for me or something. Um, But I followed the person ahead of me and I did different things like, um, kind of see what they were grabbing, see what was on the tray. And I kind of just stayed put. Once I got to a seat, I kind of just stayed put because I was afraid like if I went up and looked for the ketchup and couldn't find it, that I'd be embarrassed. If I went up to look for extra napkins, that I'd be embarrassed if I couldn't find it. Like I just felt like people were looking at me and it, they probably weren't like I, but as you're in middle school, you kind of feel very insecure anyway. But then when you have the disability, you're just, you know, thinking like, Oh my gosh, they're noticing all these things. And likely they, they probably weren't because they were probably all worried about, you know, their own insecurities. But, um, that was definitely a struggle. Um, and finding where to sit, that was always hard for me too. Cause I think at a certain point we were allowed to sit wherever we wanted. And if I weren't walking with my friends, like it was hard for me to find my friends. So I might would sit down somewhere and then one of my friends would come and like either sit there with me or collect me and take me to wherever they were until we got a little older and we had like our certain tables that we sat at every day that we, so I knew where they were each and every day. Um, so it, it was definitely a transition, um, being, having that freedom in middle school and, um, you know, navigating the cafeteria was much bigger than the elementary school. And in elementary school, you go and the, the teachers sit you down at your table and a um, lot smaller area, um, you know, but as you get older, you have a lot more freedom. And with that freedom comes a little bit more tricky um, as you're navigating with blind or a visual impairment. 
And as I've been reflecting on this middle school time and I'm thinking about class changes, you know, we go from my son's orientation tonight and he'll get a schedule and he'll be going to all these different classes every day. Um, It really made me think about some of the things that may have been challenging for me as I was going through different subjects in middle school. So, for instance, like in math, I definitely had some struggles with graphing. Um, I had some special large print bold line graph paper that I used initially in sixth grade and, you know, maybe throughout sixth grade. I don't know if I used all of it, but um, once I realized how different it was from all the other students, you know, normal graph paper, I wanted a pack of normal graph paper and I wanted to use that. And I really struggled using that. Like I got the work done, but it took me longer. And sometimes I didn't plot things properly or, you know, do it the way that the teacher wanted me to do it because, you know, that it, it just, I couldn't see it. And so I struggled with that. I struggled through it. I, I, you know, now there's so many options as far as accommodations with graphing. I mean, they have tactile graph paper where the bold, it's bold, dark lines spaced out nice. And you can use your hands to kind of feel where certain things are. Like looking back, something like that would have been very beneficial to me in math class, um, as well as like a graphing calculator, I could have gotten a graphing calculator that was more accessible, might have been able to use it with a certain kind of magnifier. Uh, however, I wanted the same as everybody else. I wanted to do the same you know, do it the same way. And I had to go the long way around a lot of the time because of that. And, you know, there will be times that we'd be doing graphing calculator stuff. And I could not see that thing. Like I really couldn't do anything on it. And, um, you know, they'd give us time to do our homework at the end of class sometime. Well, I wouldn't do my homework. I would wait till I got home because then at home I would use my magnifier and to try and see it better so I could do it by myself. So um, I I really just avoided things like that a lot of the time um, just because the fear of looking, appearing different from everybody else. Um, another thing that I had trouble with in math was like measuring tools like a protractor when you're doing angles I had a very difficult time because protractors they they do have bigger protractors and of course now like they have protractors with braille on them and large print and you know better contrast and those types of things. But, you know, back then I did it, I was so resistant to doing anything like that, that I would use a protractor like that was handed out by the teacher to everyone in the class. They were really small. Sometimes they were like a dark blue or dark red and like darker numbers on it. So I couldn't even see the numbers um, because there was no contrast. And I, you know, just kind of suffered through it because I was afraid to ask for help and not because my teacher weren't supportive, but just because I didn't want to look different in middle school. And, you know, I had struggles with rulers. And now there's Braille rulers, there's large print rulers. And as you know, like, I barely even 
you know, wanted to use large print whenever I was going through school. Um, and of course I, I, I wanted nothing to do with Braille and, um, you know, looking back, my life probably would have been so much easier had I, had I used some of these accommodations and accessibility tools, um, to help me out. I probably (laughs) physically wouldn't, wouldn't have gone through so much with, um, vision fatigue and strain and, um, headaches. Like I, you know, I still am stubborn in that way, I'm getting better, but, um, you know, there with the, I wanted to use the same rulers as everybody else. And I I could not see the rulers. Well, I really couldn't, but I, I made do. And thankfully I had some teachers who like, if I was off by a little bit, they didn't mark it wrong. Um, and I was really good in math. So, you know, most of the things I, 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 overcame I found a new way of figuring things out like I'd feel for the raised lines on the um on the rulers and everything and kind of learn where I was and different stuff like that and some of the things I was getting enlarged enlarged print and everything in middle school still so it was easy to measure lines for me because it was a little bit bigger but you know if I at least I did that much for myself for math but I I did have some difficulties with um, signs of operation like addition and division signs look very similar to me that's something that I had to really pay attention attention to as a TVI when I was working with students in math um, in their classrooms. I really had to pay attention to what was a plus sign and a division sign when I was reading it in print and helping them as they were, you may have been using Braille or something like that. Um, you know, just because I didn't want them to get their answers wrong, right? So I had to really pay attention to that. Um, you know, Braille would have been, Braille would have been a, a, a very good thing for me in math and science and social studies, I believe. But, um, you know, I was very resistant, did not want to do that, barely used um, large print in any of my subjects. I used my handheld magnifier that I called my reading rock, and it fit literally in the palm of my hand. And I just like discreetly looked through it when I was reading things, um, you know, all through my K-12 education. I'm thinking of like I said science and social studies like science you did experiments and you did different things where you'd be exploring the scientific process and doing hypothesis and observations of different experiments and trying to see how things change like different colors like I couldn't see that kind of stuff I did the best I could I'm thankful for the other students in there that kind of helped me through that and of course I could have just like told the teacher I can't see this very well can we you know try and work something out so I could be more independent but I didn't because I did not want to draw attention to myself not by any means like and my friends they always stepped in and helped me with different things um, without me asking but I think you know it prevented me from gaining independence a lot earlier in life because I did rely so much on everybody else to kind of help me through those things um you know, measuring things like I couldn't see very well with the beakers and the test tubes. And, um, you know, I still can't, 
I still can't do a very good job with like pouring things. I've found little ways to do those things. Like if I use a glass or a container and have something contrast background behind that now, like I can pour better, but I have to get real close or I have to kind of stick my finger in um, the top of the glass to see, you know, where it, where the, um, the liquid will, land and start hitting my fingertip but that's not a safe practice to do when you're in science and you might be messing with chemicals or different things that could harm you if you touch them so um you know science was definitely a challenge and I'm thinking of like eighth grade science when we went and we were studying like the stars and constellations and everything we had like a little planetarium in our eighth grade science classroom and um you know, I remember going into the uh, planetarium and feeling like, well, I can't see like and I didn't understand like transitioning from dark to light or anything like that or light to dark. And, you know, I ran into desks when I went in there, ran into chairs, anything that was out like I it, and I just played it off like I was clumsy. OK, I didn't be like, well, I can't see. And this is why, like how I can explain it now is definitely not how I was understanding it and recognizing it back then. Um, but I remember seeing in that planetarium when I did finally get to a spot um and the, the teacher's like explaining all the things that we're seeing above on the ceiling and this star and that constellation and i'm just sitting there like what like i don't know i can't see anything you're talking about like i hope there's not a test on this because i'm gonna fail because i have no idea where any of this stuff is and thankfully there were there wasn't a test on it um you know it but it was just one of those experiences that i i was a part of it but i really like you know, I just kind of went through the motions of everything. That's probably the best way to describe middle school, like kind of going through the motions just so I, you know, didn't have any attention on myself about not being able to see or any kind of limitations um, that I may have. And, you know, I'm thinking of social studies, like I had brought up how I feel like um, Braille would have been beneficial to me. Now, you know, I have a, I've experienced as a TVI and I think about what I would recommend for a student like myself. And I definitely would have recommended Braille services and, um, probably specifically Matt, well, everything I would have recommended Braille services for everything. Um, but definitely social studies because of, um, the maps, like I, I, I still can't see maps well. And, you know, if you're receiving Braille services, you know, you also would probably be recommended to have tactile uh, materials like um, a tactile graphic of a map. And basically with that, you can put your hands on the map and you have raised lines and raised symbols. And, you know, a student who is blind or has restrictive vision can, you know, learn by moving their hand around and um, learning the different areas of a map because it's very difficult to describe a map to someone who um, doesn't have vision. So we use tactile graphics to kind of bridge that gap for them. And I didn't use tactile graphics. Uh, like I said, I barely use large print. And I remember in the sixth grade, um, early in the year, 
we had a map test and I couldn't see it and I couldn't see the study material, but I didn't tell anyone about that. I took the tests and I got a U that was in the days of U's like this. That's even worse than an F. So I got this U and it just so happened at the time, um, my best friend and I weren't getting along for whatever middle school reason. I, I don't even remember. Um, but I, but I remember her saying to me, but because I had had a conversation with the teacher and she overheard it um, that like because I I failed the test and I told I went back and told the teacher I said I really I could not see that like my I couldn't see the the map and so the teacher was going to work with me in some way I don't know I don't remember how but but then what happened was this best friend and I when we were disagreeing she used that against me and um, she told me that I use my bad eyes as an excuse used to get bad grades. And uh, it was the first time in all of my education years that anyone had ever said something negative about my vision and call and said something like that. I just, I never had that experience happen before. It would have hurt coming from anyone, especially hurt coming from like such a good friend of mine. And, um, I was devastated. Obviously I still remember it. And that was like 1999. So it's just one of those moments that you'll never forget. I mean, you know, we eventually worked through whatever it was and we became friends and I believe she apologized for saying that, but I never forgot it. I mean, um, it stuck with me. It was one of two occasions that someone said something, you know, to my face about my vision. Like, I don't know, maybe people talked about that stuff and maybe people talk about it, you know, even now. Um, but I've only had someone, you know, be mean to me about it two different times in my life that, that I can really imagine or, or really, you know, think about right now. And that, I, I never forgot about. Um, another time was in the seventh grade. Of course, both these times were middle school. Um, another time was in the seventh grade. And, and you know, one of uh, some boy said something about like, you can't even see like your eyes can't even look at me or something like that. Because my vision, you know, my eyes go up um, for me to focus in on someone right in front of me. So, you know, that those were two different times. And honestly, I, you know, I've had people say things that were hurtful to me since then, and even recently in adulthood, but nothing like intentionally hurtful. I think it's more of an ignorance uh, aspect rather than, um, you know, being hurtful, like, like those situations. Um and, you know, I'm thinking of like language arts and, and reading. I had mentioned this in previous entries, how I struggled with reading. Um, I hated reading out loud and I did use some large print stuff and I used my handheld magnifier, um, but I did not volunteer to read out loud. But sometimes we had to read out loud, like for round, round robin reading and everything. And so what I would do is I would count how many students were ahead of me so I could figure out what I was going to read, like what section of the book or whatever we were doing, like what I was going to have to read. And I'd sit there and practice that until it was my turn. So I'd miss, you know, everything everyone else was reading. Um, and I'd be sitting there practice that. So whenever it was my turn, I didn't sound like 
I couldn't read, right? Like I, I'm, I'm a good reader. I know how to read. I just don't read well, especially reading out loud because I have issues with tracking because of my nystagmus. And my nystagmus is involuntary muscle movements of the eyes. So basically there's, there's dancing eyes I've talked about before. And when you're reading a line of text, um, and your eyes move like that is very hard to track. So it's very easy to get lost whenever you're reading, you know, even to yourself. And that's kind of why I use voiceover a lot, um, because it takes me longer to read. And, um, so that's one of the things I used to do because I, you know, I did read out loud. I, you do have to do that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I just figure out where I was supposed to be, reading and I'd, I'd try and read ahead. Um, and then like with writing, I was always a great writer. Um, I still enjoy writing. I, I, you know, it's one of my favorite things to do. I want to write a book someday. Um, but one of the things we did was you, we would, we would write a rough draft and this was like before you were typing things on computer, like this was back in the old days when you had to write several drafts of a paper and you would turn it, your rough draft into the teacher and they'd send back, like they'd, they'd edit it. They'd go through with a pen and they'd write little notes or circle little things, usually a red pen. And I definitely had trouble reading those little notes and, and finding all of the um, mistakes that I had made. And I think some teachers ended up using like different color markers or pens or something like because they recognized that I struggled with that. And But again, I never like went to them and was like, I can't see your edits or, you know, anything like that. Um, so that pretty much would be the only thing in terms of, of writing. Of course, I couldn't read my hand, own handwriting very well either and I'm not a good handwriter um because of my vision like I just can't I can't see it very well I always had trouble like staying on the lines um I did use some special kinds of paper when I was younger but by middle school time I was using whatever everybody else was using um and just trying to to do it the way everybody else was doing it. But there's definitely a lot of good options out there for, you know, students now going through K through 12 that, that they can have like um, tactile papers to write on so they can still handwrite, but they have tactile lines that you can, you know, feel where you are. Um, and of course, you have the large print bold line paper that you can write on as well. Um and, you know, as I was going through school, we, of course, had our specials like art and tech ed and home ec and like an art class. I remember we had these bins um, with all of our art materials in a cabinet in the back of the classroom. And, you know, there was like 25 kids in a class and, you know, you would go get your bin when you got in there. And I like I even with my name on it and everything, like you never put them back in the same place. Um so I would get stressed out when it was time to go get my art bin. Like I had a fear that I wasn't going to be able to find it. So what I would do is kind of hang back. I'd get to the back of the crowd, let everybody else get theirs first. So there'd be like one or two left. And then I'd narrow it down to where my bin was. I'd grab it and take it back to my seat. And when I finally sat down and, you know, the teacher was, drawing whatever we were working on if it was like three-point perspective or whatever they'd always like draw an example on the board 
And I'm thinking, I guess it was probably chalkboards back then. I I don't remember. I don't know by middle school time. I'm I'm a, I'm I'm pretty sure it was a chalkboard. Um, but they would draw the example on the board, and I couldn't see it. <laughs> so. Um, you know, actually I had a great art teacher. She always had a copy though, and she would bring, you know, bring it over to where I was and put it at my desk. I could see it better, but I didn't do very good with art stuff. I wasn't very, um, crafty or artistic. Um, that was definitely not one of my talents whenever I was going through school. I mean, I like to think I'm kind of creative now. Um, but there's just certain things. I'm not a good drawler <laughs> and I didn't do very well at staying in the lines either when I was color. Um, you know, we also did like photography and art in the eighth grade and there was a dark room and everything. And I remember not being able to see well in the dark room and, um, not knowing where certain chemicals were. And in those situations, like, you know, braille labels would have been a, uh, a great option. Like if I was a TVI, and was had a student that was doing photography like I the first thing I probably would have done before they went into art would be um, put braille labels on and kind of get the student oriented um, with where certain things are in the in the dark room and everything because you would um, put your pictures in one and then you move it to the next chemical so like that's one of the things I would have done like as a TVI to get get a student oriented. Um, but I had great friends, like I said, and, and they helped me with a lot of those things. And, um, again, I gave up a lot of my independence by relying on those, um, friends, but, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for them and I'm thankful for the way everything ended up working out and how much I've learned since that time. So I could be, uh, better for my students as a TBI. Um, you know, I struggled in computer class and tech ed, you know, we use computers in there. And I was very resistant of screen readers. I thought they sounded like robots. I had no interest in a screen reader. That type of thing was introduced to me whenever I was um, very young. And I wanted nothing to do with screen readers. I did use some zoom um, Zoom text magnification software uh, a lot of the time through. I think it was one com special computers for me the whole way through um, elementary and high school. But I, by the time I got to middle and high school, I wanted nothing to do with it. I just struggled through uh, seeing and trying to memorize where certain things were on the computer. Um, I was taught how to type um, during vision services. I think that's about like the extent of my vision services the whole way through. And that's not, that is nothing against any of my TVIs um, because I know that I was very much in denial and probably very resistant of learning any other kind of adaptive skills that may have been beneficial to me. So I'm glad I at least let the typing happen because that, you know, I'm, I'm a very good typer to this day. Um, so, you know, with computers, I definitely struggled with seeing them. A screen reader would have been great for me. You know, using the zoom magnification would have been great for me. These are all things that I now use. Um, it took me years, but I now use these things. Um, 
you know, so I, I did struggle through those things. I was successful. Like I, I was always an honor roll and distinguished honor roll student going through um, middle and high school and everything. But like I said, I took the long way around. It wasn't, um, it wasn't always pretty and it was definitely a lot of extra on me because I was so stubborn when it, you know, came to using those things that could have helped me a lot. Um, and I believe I talked about, um, home ec and how, you know, we did cooking class, you did different cooking things and I love to cook still to this day. Um, so I did memorize like did the same way I do with cooking now, like, um, the cup sizes and the tablespoon, teaspoon sizes. So I didn't have a lot of trouble with the cooking thing. Um, probably more so learning how to work the ovens and the switches, which I have to memorize now with my own, like what buttons to push and those types of things. Um, but I did struggle with the sewing part of it. We had a sewing, uh, section or, or curriculum or whatever we had to do for, um, I think every year in middle school. And I, I, I never could do it. I tried. Um, but, and, and there are ways that you can, you know, help people. sew whether, you know, they're blind or visually impaired, there's different kinds of things that you can do the adaptive materials and accessible things. Um, but you know, either it didn't exist back then or I didn't want it. And it ended up like one of my good friends, she always did my sewing projects for me and, or helped me with them. And I did certain parts of them, but she did the majority of them. And, um, you know, I got, I got good grades and everything. And then now looking back, it wasn't the best experience, you know, for me to have, like, cause I never learned how to sew, but you know, that was the best that it seemed like they could do for me at the time. Um, you know, whether they knew of other things or they just didn't exist. I feel like everyone did the best that they, they thought at that time with helping me through. Um, I did in the sixth grade. I tried band for um, like a couple weeks. I don't even know if it it was that long. Um, my parents were in the band when they were in high school. And my dad played the drums and I wanted to try and play the drums. Well, it didn't take me long to realize that I wasn't going to be able to read the music sheet Um fast enough to keep up and uh, so I dropped band I went into general music and there was different instruments and stuff that we even played in general music like in eighth grade you do the guitar and I remember sitting out um, of all those different types of things because I couldn't read the music sheets and um, you know I guess I guess it wasn't available in the large print or you know I don't really know what the deal was but I was kind of just sitting there and listening and everything. And, you know, as a TVI, um, like that's the worst thing that I would ever want my, my students to be doing. Like I always found a way that my students could participate. It might've not been the exact same way as, you know, the, as the other students in the classroom, but I always found a way that, that they could have a learning experience and be a part with their general education peers. Um, Cause I know how that felt like that's, that's the whole purpose of me sharing all this stuff is to share the things that, 
you know, didn't work for me or all my life lessons so that I can help other people who may be coming behind me or parents of these of these children and help them, you know, see how important it is to take advantage of the materials and supports that are out there for them. So it makes life just a little bit easier in dealing with these things. Um, so, you know, I, I talk about all the specials, um, like PE, for instance, I loved PE. Okay. Like that's, that's my jam. Like you asked me all through school, what my favorite subject is. Of course, it's going to be PE, like athletics. Everybody knows it's, you know, athletics is everything to me. Um, so PE, you know, I loved it, but there were certain parts of it in middle school that I didn't do very good at, like the dance, for instance. I remember they were teaching us different dance routines. There was like a whole unit on dance and, um, and we had to do this in high school too. Um, and, you know, I tried to be at the front of the classroom or front of the gym to see different things, um, but I couldn't always follow or see like the specific hand motions and stuff. So I just did the best I can with dance. Um, I, I did not enjoy that. Um, volleyball, I struggled with in, in uh, middle school because we had light colored walls and we used a white volleyball. And um, so I had a very difficult time tracking the volleyball. And we also did archery in middle school so I really couldn't see where the um, target was from one side of the gymnasium to the other so I just kind of like took the the bow and arrow and just shot it towards wherever I thought our our target was because we'd be broken up into groups and uh, my goal was never to get a bullseye my goal was to make it on my own target so <laughs> that's how all that went um, of course we did running and and, um, you know, I did fine when we were on the track and I had, you know, the different lines and, and landmarks on the track. If we were doing a 50 or a hundred yard dash, or if we were doing a mile run, like, you know, obviously I'm running four miles or four laps around the track. Um, I did struggle when they did th certain things where they were marking like shuttle runs and stuff off in the grass or using cones. I didn't always um, see the cones very well or those little dashes of spray paint or whatever they used in the grass to mark those types of um, agility runs and stuff. So, um, you know, I think they did certain things like put a student volunteer like where up, you know, at one of the cones so I could see. Um, and the thing is, I'm so thankful for the teachers I have. Looking back, like they did a lot of these things on their own. Like I, I did not communicate this stuff to them. Like I, I didn't tell them, I didn't advocate for myself. I didn't do anything. These teachers were thinking of these things on their own. And, you know, they made life just a little bit easier for me, even when I was so resistant of, I could have even had more support and more ease if I would have let it. Um, and they just made this big difference that I didn't even realize at the time. So those things, you know, helped alleviate some of the stressors. Um, but, you know, you have several of these things happen in a day's time. Like, 
you know, I just, I just always felt like school was, was tough. Like I got good grades, but I had to work really hard to get those good grades. And I just remember feeling when I finally got done high school, like finally, like I'm out of the spotlight. And I don't even think that anyone was looking at me like that, but you know, it just felt that way the whole way through that people were just staring and knowing that I was different. And just all I wanted so badly was to fit in. And, um, you know, I'm, I think about now, like here we are the first week of teachers going back to school in our district and our kids go back to school next week. And this is the first year in, in three years that I'm not going back as a teacher. And I'm thinking about the things that I would have been doing this week to prepare, um, you know, the teachers that are working with my students for my students to come in on that first day, because I, I just reflect on all the things that stressed me out on my, all my first days of school and how I worked as a TVI to kind of alleviate those stresses for my students. Like I did not want them to feel those things. If I could do anything to prevent those little stressors that I was going to do that. And, um, some of the things I would do would have been to go into the classrooms and um, talk to the teachers, look where they were setting the student in terms of their desk. And, you know, a lot of times people think, well, the student can't see well, so let's sit them close to the board. And it's like, well, you know, that could work for one student, but, you know, that's not the answer for every student. Because what if you have a window, you know, at the front of the classroom and you've got my little student in there looking towards this window and the sunlight shining through all day and they have light sensitivity, like their eyes are going to be tired. They're not going to be able to see things like um, that's not the best spot for them. Or if they have glare sensitivities, and, you know, there's a light right above them and it's shining down on their desk and, you know, they can't they can't see what they're looking at on their desk because of the glare or the glare on the whiteboard. Like, you know, they're not going to be able to see what's on the board if, if they can see that far. So I would always go in and meet with the teachers and see what what they had in mind and, you know, have a designated spot for my students extra materials. If they had assistive technology, I'd help them set that up. I would help them, you know, remove any obstacles that might be potential safety hazard for my students as they're walking in. If they use the cane, like, you know, you want a clear pathway. So those are the kind of things I did ahead of time. Some students, you know, I would actually meet at the bus on the first day of school and and you know when they arrived at the school I'd be there and help them get into the school help them get oriented and spend the first couple days with them as they learned a new school or learned a new classroom and um, you know I, I know that meant a lot to them because they had someone that understood what they were going through Plus, a lot of the things like that I went through on my own and had to navigate and learn from like I prevented that them from having to feel those things. So, um, you know, I do I, I am missing that right now. Like the first week back was always chaos for me. My other TPI um, colleagues would always pick on me because I couldn't get through the first week without crying about something because it's a very overwhelming and stressful time. But I do um, I do miss that part of it. And, you know, knowing that I was setting things up and and having things ready for those kids when they were coming in because everybody's nervous and has the jitters on the first day. But then if you're coming in when you're, you know, 
blind and you and you have all these other extra little stressors like um it's it's so much more it's very overwhelming um just going through an entire school day is overwhelming when you can't see well because your eyes get tired you get exhausted by trying to not run into people or things all day and um you know it's just it's mentally physically draining when you're going to school all day and um you know, I, I remember when I got my student off the bus last year um, on the first day of school, like I was I couldn't I could not see when the buses pulled up. Like I was taken right back to when I was in school and couldn't find my bus number. Like I couldn't see the bus numbers when they were pulling up. And I was like, oh, my goodness, how am I going to? find my student like they're not going to see me so like I have to be able to catch them and see them because I didn't want them to feel like nobody was there to to greet them and help them um so you know in those situations like I just remember asking one of the other teachers that was out there on bus duty and like will you help me you know find the bus when it comes you know I don't want to miss my student and um but I I was anxious the whole time until I had that little student right there beside me like I was anxious because I was afraid I was going to miss them and that was going to set the tone for their whole entire day like oh my goodness Miss Lindsay wasn't right there to to greet me whenever I got off the bus um so you know it's it's a lot transitions are a lot for anyone but you know especially our students who are blind or visually impaired because you're learning a whole new environment um plus you're dealing like middle school you're dealing with all the typical insecurities and you have a disability to kind of throw on top of that um so you know i just want to encourage any student that's listening any parent of a of a student that's listening or anyone who has going going through this stuff before like it 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 can get better. Don't be resistant to support and trying to use some of these things to make life easier on you. Like, again, I made it through. I made it through successfully. Um, but I probably took, you know, 10 years off of my life of worry and stress, um, you know, because of going the long way around. And um, that's why I want to share this stuff. I, w- I want people to learn from from my mistakes and maybe find comfort in knowing that, you know, somebody understands what you're going through right now or what your child is going through right now as they prepare to go back to school. And, you know, I just thank you all for continuing to listen and support the podcast journal um, it, it means so much to me. And if you're going back to school this week or you're already back, like, I hope you have a wonderful year. Um, I hope everybody stays safe and has success and have a great rest of your week.